Welcome to Coffee and Conversations with Chris. We're glad you're here. Here's your host, Pastor Chris Atkinson. Good morning. My name is Chris Atkinson and I'm the pastor at Pinewoods Chapel. And today we are going to talk about the mark of the beast. And uh, for many of you who are familiar with biblical language, you'll know that the book of Revelation um, mentions a beast and this mark of the beast that is to come into the world. Over the last uh, month, we've actually been talking about uh, different aspects of the Antichrist and who is the Antichrist and is it uh, you know, obviously it's a spirit in the world, but it's also a person and the coming Antichrist, as John writes. And we've been looking at a number of different passages through the book of Revelation, uh, the letters that John wrote, and also uh, Old Testament prophecy in the book of Daniel, and in some of the writings that Paul wrote, where he talks about the man of sin and uh, the, the lawlessness or the man of lawlessness that uh, is prevalent and will come in the world. And so today, as we've been looking at all these different aspects of, uh, of the Antichrist and different things like that, and last week we talked about the tribulation of the Antichrist, uh, today we're going to talk about the mark of the beast. And this is a, a very interesting topic because I think uh, there's a ton of uh, misinformation that's out there. Uh, and uh, we just really need to look at the scriptures to make sure that we're understanding what the Bible is saying about the mark of the beast. And at the same time, be able to navigate the things that are happening in our world so that we can recognize the mark of the beast when it actually shows up in our world. So uh, we're going to spend most of our time today in Revelation chapter 13 and 14 and if you've got any questions, as always, just type the questions in and uh, we'll talk about uh, those questions. And uh, if you're watching this after it's when it's not live and you've got some questions, just put those questions in and we'll follow up and try and uh, answer some of those questions for you if you've got them. So, uh, again, we're jumping in the middle of this whole big talk of the Antichrist and uh there's been a whole bunch of things in other videos we've talked about, but today we're going to talk specifically about the Mark of the Beast. Now, um, let me just give you some background on uh, this Mark of the Beast and, and what uh, people have interpreted this as over the course of history, but also even up into our current day. And, and this is important too, because it actually shows that there's a lot of disagreement about uh, what actually the mark of the beast represents. So many scholars, uh, good scholars too, have ha really have differences of opinion on this whole thing. And so we just want to give grace to each other that, you know, this may not be exactly as people think, or it may be something uh, that is very similar to what people think. So uh, let's uh, let's just sort of dive in and uh, see see what we come up with. So in the book of Revelation, over in uh, Revelation chapter 13, we see this phrase, Mark of the Beast, and this number, 666, 666. And so over uh, the length of history, there has been a ton of meaning attached to this number, 666. And when we look back in history, we can actually see that during the time when John actually wrote the book of Revelation and the environment that they were in, and remember the Jewish people uh, and those that were following Christ, the Gentiles that were believing in Christ, uh, were under the rulership of Rome. And during that time, one of the rulers, which is Nero, who was a, not very nice to Christians at all, um, came out with the Roman coin. And guess what? The Roman coin had his picture on it. And so for those very first readers, the people that read John's letter for the very first time would have immediately associated 
the mark of the beast, this you can't buy, trade, or sell with the coins that the Roman Emperor Nero was actually putting out. And this is a very important piece as we try and interpret this because uh, what's happening here is that there's a reference point to what John is actually talking about. And that sort of understanding that the first century Christians, the first readers of uh, the book of Revelation, as John wrote this, uh, it then sort of transformed and continued to move on into how people viewed money uh, because there's a strong uh, parallel between uh, people that have the mark of the beast uh, and couldn't buy, trade, or sell without this mark. And so a, a lot of our uh, our uh, paper currency that we have today, coins, it has figureheads on it, stamped on it, and the famous people from our history uh, that have impacted nations. And so all of that stuff has sort of convoluted uh, the real meaning behind the mark of the beast. Um, more recent things that have actually come to pass, but what people think about the mark of the beast. Um, the modern barcode system that you see on every item in the grocery store or, or wherever you go, that mark uh, being there, you can't buy, trade, or sell, you can't get groceries unless that mark is there. Um, www on the internet, the prefix that's used for the World Wide Web, and you know, people even take www which is in numerology and alphabetical languages, you can take that and, and it turns out to be 666. Um, so, you know, there's other things that are, that are out there like uh, tracking and identification for uh, animals through microchips and all of these things and that they're also there in humans. And we see this in the movies, we see it all around and it's talked about uh, very openly. Smart cards, uh, you know, tap debit, cashless swiping that we use in our credit cards, our debit cards, and all of these pieces uh, in our economy are these things that people will attribute to the mark of the beast. Um, the most recent one that's came out uh, just in the last uh, two or three uh, months really, which has sort of prompted me to, to even talk about some of these things is the vaccine for COVID-19 and people asking questions about, uh, you know, is the vaccine, the mark of the beast and how is this and, and other, uh, pastoral leaders around the world actually are, you know, talking about these things and, and, and trying to answer all of these things for people because, People have these ideas about what it is, and a lot of these ideas are actually not founded in Scripture. And so we want to look today at Scripture and see what Scripture actually says about this mark of the beast. Because I think if we know what the Scriptures say, then we won't get caught up in all of these, all of these things. And uh, it's really important to base everything that we do and think on what the Scriptures uh, say. So... Um, before I get into the actual text in, in Revelation 13, I want to take some time and just talk about how we do interpretation for the book of, especially the book of Revelation. So the book of Revelation is the only place in the Bible that actually says this phrase, mark of the beast, the number of man, which is 666. Okay. And that's, that's also important for us to realize. So we're we're looking at one passage that speaks specifically to this, but more so that this is apocalyptic literature, which means there's a ton of symbols in it. And it, on the outset, is really talking about a struggle between uh, the cosmic forces of God, who is supernatural, and the cosmic forces of Satan, and who is against God. And when we realize that this apocalyptic literature is set in this sort of this cosmic overarching between the heavens and earth and all of the world scene, uh, we can see the contrast a little bit better. Um, and hopefully as we go through this, uh, we'll talk about uh, some of these things. And if you have questions, please just put them in there. So 
The number 666, first, first off, was because this is apocalyptic literature, it's, it's symbolic. We need to realize that right off the bat, that this, this number 666 is a symbolic number. And as we look at the scriptures, we need to be able to see what it meant to John and uh, how John was communicating that to the people that were there. And as I said, there were a group of people at the time when the book of Revelation uh, was written. These are followers of Jesus, and they're being persecuted by the Roman Empire, uh, Nero. And so a lot of the symbolism that's there was to hide what needed to be communicated to the church because of the persecution that they were under. And that's why the book of Revelation does have a, a ton of information about judgment and correction and and the martyrs and the persecution that's there, um, the God's wrath being poured out and all of that stuff. So all of that stuff is there meant to communicate to the first century uh, readers in that context. Um, so we, we have to take it from that context too when we're interpreting it. On top of that, we, we need to really address this question. And is, is this a literal 666? Will I be able to say uh, at some point in the future, the three numbers 666 are going to be stamped on my forehead or they're going to be stamped on my hand? How literal is that? Or things like a vaccine, things that are hidden, things like uh, uh, microchips and things like that. Are, are, or the thing that I carry in my wallet, i.e. the debit card, is that what this is meaning when he says this mark of the beast and 666? So we, the, other, the other aspect of this too, if it's not literal, is it a, uh, a symbol of a heart attitude that's in humanity? And I think those are uh, things that we need to wrestle with as we go through this because there's not really a clear answer here. And that's actually why a lot of uh, commentators are divided. A lot of Bible scholars are divided about this and they don't have agreement uh, because there's so many different facets to this. And it's really only mentioned in Revelation chapter 13 and 14. So with all of that preamble, um, and helping us try and think through these things, uh, let's let's turn to the scriptures and and look. And we're going to read through uh, Revelation 13, and then I'm going to talk about some things that we know for sure. And one of and and that's what I would just say that we need to keep coming back to the things that we know for sure. That's what we need to focus on, and that will actually help us uh, identify the mark of the beast when. It shows up because for me, I do believe that the mark of the beast is literal and symbolic. And I'm going to unpack that for us as we go through this, uh, this time in God's word. So I'm, I'm going over to Revelation 13 and uh, I'm going to pick up in verse one. We're just going to walk through verse one and work through verse one so that we can actually get a uh, good handle on the context where John brings in this mark of the beast. So we see in verse 1, the first beast. And as John is writing, he's writing uh, what he's seeing. He's seeing a vision. And so he's communicating this vision to God's people as God had instructed him to. He says, And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And it, and it the dragon, gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? So let me just unpack this for a minute, just to kind of keep us all on the same page as we've been going through this study on the Antichrist. So um, the symbolism that's mentioned here, we've got a beast. It's a symbolizing a king. 
the dragon is symbolizing Satan, and Satan is giving his power to this uh, because they actually worshipped Satan. Uh, they worshipped Satan and what he was about. And so Satan has actually given his authority to this beast, and this beast is a ruler, and the people actually worship the beast and it actually says in verse 3 that the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast so the whole world so this is not just you know canada us or something like that it's the whole world it's all around the world and people are following this leader and as uh you'll see here too that this leader has the same characteristics as the antichrist in john same characteristics as the king in daniel and the same characteristics as this man of lawlessness that we see in 2 Thessalonians. So all of those other passages are talking about this same ruler, this same leader that here is in Revelation. And in verse 5, this is what this uh, beast, this ruler, this man of sin, the Antichrist, is, is doing. And the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority uh, was given it over every tribe of people and language and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. And everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb that was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Verse 10. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword must he be slain. Here is the call for the endurance and faith of the saints. So here's this environment that this ruler, this king, this antichrist is ruling in. And he is uh, conquering, he's making war against the saints. The world, all of the world is following this and uh, they want to follow this. I think that's important for us to realize. But if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, know that this beast is going to make war and it actually says, if anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity they go. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword must they be slain. And so this is going to happen, and this is going to be difficult when all of this comes to pass. And that's why, as John writes this, he says, here is the call for the endurance and faith of the saints. So now there's this second beast that comes up, and John is talking about the second beast. And this is important, um, because... So we have the first beast who's the Antichrist, who's the one uh, that is everyone is following and worshiping. But there's another beast, another individual that rises out of the earth. And it's kind of like this second in command kind of leader and this person that uh, has more influence too and points to the first beast. So let's read in verse 11. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth, and it had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast in its presence, and makes the earth and the inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal womb was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. So here we see this very influential person, very influential leader that's recognized here as this second beast. And, and it's kind of like they're putting all of the attention on the first beast, but yet this beast has got power and authority to deceive in a greater measure. And so this is where we see this uh, mark of the beast come into play. Because as we see, 
in verse 15, it says, And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. So there's a tremendous amount of influence that this beast has. <coughs> Excuse me. I got some uh, saliva stuck in my mouth. So as we read on here, this is where it starts to transition over to talk about the mark of the beast in verse 16. Also, it says, it causes all, both slave, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who understands calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, and his number is 666. So here we have this description of this sec the, the first beast and now the second beast that's giving authority. And what we see is now this second beast is such a great influencer that they cause the whole world, basically. Those that are free, those that are slave, those that are rich, those that are poor, to actually receive this mark, as it says, on their hand or on their forehead, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had this mark. So this question about the mark of the beast has fascinated people and and all kinds of things but we're just going to go through a number of things about the mark that we need to realize so that we can recognize this when uh, when we find ourselves in a place of this actually happening so here's the first thing about the mark and I'll point this out to you the mark is the result of the Antichrist which means there first must be the Antichrist. And as we look back in history, uh, there's been a ton of mistakes made because people have not identified the Antichrist. Now, there has been people who have thought they've been the Antichrist, but they have not gained uh, a leading or a rulership over the whole world. So there must first be the Antichrist. There must first be the beast in order for there to be the mark of the beast. And as long as there is no one single ruler that is ruling over the whole world and behaving in a way as laid out here, especially in, in uh, Revelation chapter 13, there's not going to be a mark of the beast. Okay, so there's a strong connection. We need to see this, that there's a strong connection between this mark and the beast. There's, there's this connection. If you, if you don't have a beast, then you can't have the, the, mark, of, the mark of the beast, okay? So it just, it just follows that the mark is the result of the Antichrist. And so if there is not a common identified Antichrist, then there will not be the mark of that Antichrist. Now... One of the things that's going to be very important when this actually comes to bear, in one of our previous times together, we talked about how we would actually recognize the Antichrist when it came. And uh, it's pretty obvious from looking at Scripture, and if you want to go back, I think that was either the first or second one we did. Um, and it was very clear that the Antichrist, for those who are wanting to worship God, will it will be very obvious it's not going to take us by surprise it's not going to we're not going to be so deceived by this that we're not going to see this um, and that's important for us to realize that there the world will be deceived because the world is wanting this the world is wanting peace and security peace and safety and all of these things but as followers of jesus where we're worshiping god and we're committed to worshiping god we're going to realize when this uh ruler steps onto the world stage and wants all religions to be banned and only worship them and that's uh that's an important distinction so when the antichrist does rise up 
what will come after the Antichrist is the mark of the beast. So if there is no Antichrist, there's no mark. And so there, there must be the Antichrist to be the mark. And that's the very first thing that we have to say. So when we, when we start examining some of these things, so uh, the vaccine, is it the mark of the beast? Well, no, because there's no Antichrist. Um, you know, is there, uh, is, is currency in different nations, is that, the mark of the, is that the mark of the beast? Well, no, it's not, because there's not a beast or Antichrist that's there. And so as we, you know, when we talk about the World Wide Web, uh, is the World Wide Web, is that the mark of the beast? Well, no, it's not, because there's not an Antichrist. And so what we need to realize is, is there must, there must, and I just can't stress this enough because I think this is the thing that everybody just sort of skips over uh, when they start talking about the, anti uh, about the Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast, that there must first be a beast, okay? There must first be the Antichrist uh, before there can actually be the Mark of the Antichrist. So having said that, here's the second, the second thing that we see in Scripture is that the mark is connected to worshiping the Antichrist. So here as we read in uh, Revelation chapter 13, um, we see in verse 15, it says, and it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might, be, might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Okay, so here, here is this context where you've got the influence of the second beast that's wanting people in the world to worship this beast. And so those who are worshiping the beast will want to have the mark. As it goes on, it says, and it also it, also it causes all to be marked on the right hand and the forehead. And so if you're worshiping this beast and you think it's awesome to worship this, then you're going to receive the mark, okay? And, th and that's important to realize is that if we are worshiping the beast, the Antichrist, we will want the mark. And it actually says that the whole world will want this. Um, and it lists every small, great, rich, poor, free slave, everybody. And it also says in this other place that the whole world will be marveling and worshiping this beast. And so the mark that is coming is strongly connected to the worship of the Antichrist, the worship of the beast. And so if we recognize that God in his word has actually instructed us that we are to worship God and only worship uh, him alone. And in fact, in the Old Testament, the first commandment is you shall have no other gods before uh, the God of Israel. And so this God and this desire to worship and him being against who God is uh, should be a huge tip off to us. Do we have anybody in the world as a single person wanting the world to worship them? Well, no. Do we have another person that's trying to influence them and the whole world to worship one thing? Well, no. So the mark's not here yet. <laughs> and we just need to realize that this mark is connected to worshiping the beast. All right, here's, here is the next one, is that the mark distinguishes followers of the Antichrist. And so you'll, you'll see here, just as we're reading here, and it says, also it causes all to be marked. Okay? So, and, it, and, if, and, and, and if you're not marked, and you're not worshiping, you're slain. So there's a real clear divide here. <laughs> like, you got the mark, you're worshiping the beast, that's good for you. You're not going to be slain. But if you're not worshiping the beast, you're not receiving the mark, 
and it's not going to go well with you. And in fact, the next verse then says to us, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. So here, here we see this, this third identification of the mark is that the mark distinguishes the followers of the Antichrist. And, and if people are following uh, the Antichrist and worshiping it, they're going to have the mark. And so, and they, wa and they want, when I say they, I'm talking about the beast, wants, the Antichrist wants everyone to follow them. But those that are enduring, those that are committed to worshiping God, are not going to go in that direction. And so the result will be that there is going to be uh, persecution because it actually tells us this in chapter 13. It says that this beast is going to uh, blast, utter words of blasphemy against God and it's actually allowed by God to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And that is hard for us at times. And that's why we need to talk about the great tribulation of the Antichrist. So, uh, fourth thing about the mark that we just see here. So, as we're talking about this, the mark is a result of an Antichrist being there. Um, the mark is connected to worshiping. Uh, the mark distinguishes followers of the Antichrist. The mark will be connected to the world economy. And this really uh, sort of sets the stage for the pressure to actually worship the beast. And so you may ask the question, well, how is the beast and the second beast going to get everyone to receive this mark? Well, it's going to be like, well, if you want to eat and drink, then you better receive the mark because you're not going to be able to buy or trade or sell goods. You're not going to be able to be a business owner. Um, you're not going to be able to interact with people the same way. You know, churches, they're not going to be able to function without people having this mark of the beast. Like, you're, you, it's just not going to happen. And so it's not going to be local. It is going to be worldwide because it, it just says, and it, it says that no one, no one can buy a trader sell. And so when you start thinking about our economy, the world economy and, and things that are happening in the world, this is not something that's localized. This is something overall stock exchanges of around the world, whether it's Tokyo, New York, London, Toronto, uh, you know, all of these places around the world that are major economic centers, this is going to be impacting that. And, and people will want to do this. And the majority, and I have to stress this, because it's the majority of people in the world that will want to go after this Antichrist and the Mark of the Beast. And they will think that it's the greatest thing out there. They'll think, well, yeah, this is great. We should do this. It fixes all of our problems because our world is in a turmoil. And we are seeing this now. We, we live in a world of a global economy. And the stage is set because of all the turbulence that we're seeing around the world today, whether it's uh, a pandemic, whether it's the uncivil unrest, whether it's economies that are struggling and, and, and differences in, in poverty and economic wealth and disparity, corruption, all of these things, people are getting to the point where they are looking for someone to come and fix all of this, but they're not looking to God. And so the stage is really set where, and, and when we look back in history, there's never been a time in history where the global economy has been at the level that it is now. And when we look back even to the financial crisis of 2008, when uh, the banking sector almost collapsed and how that affected all of the world, uh, not just local economies. And yes, we can say the Great Depression had an effect uh, around the world and all of this stuff, but not to the same effect that we have today. Uh, we have news that travels around the world in the blink of an eye. We know exactly what's happening through uh, the internet on the other side of the world, the moment that it's happening. And this change that has happened and even the internet and, and all of the access that we have because of technology has so much set the stage 
for this world economy to come under the leadership of one ruler. And the mark will be connected to that. Now, do we, do we have something like that in place at, at this point in time? Well, the answer to that question is no, we don't. We don't have a mark that is connected to the world economy. We still uh, have nations and we still have currency within nations. We still uh, can buy, trade and sell without actually uh, having a mark that is accepted all around the world. And, and of course, we don't see the Antichrist yet, but we are warned in Scripture that the Antichrist is coming. So the, the, next, the next thing about this mark, and this is again important for us to see, is that the mark will preserve your life on earth. And this, this is where the deception and the testing for the endurance of the saints actually comes in. Because if we were to put ourselves in this place, and yes, we may see the rise of the Antichrist in our lifetime. And as we watch the rise of the Antichrist, we'll be like, okay, God told us this is coming. And we can trust that uh, God's gonna take care of us because that's his promise as we walk by faith and live by faith in him. And then as we see these things start to play out where there, there is a desire for the world to worship the Antichrist. And then that there's this mark will come out. Um, and we know by reading, it actually says that those that don't want to receive the mark won't be able to buy, trade or sell. But more than that, they'll, their life will be taken and they'll be slain. So, Having the mark would preserve your life. And that's where we may, and I hope no one ever, any follower of Jesus Christ would remain faithful to Jesus and not receive this mark just to preserve their life on this earth. God has something so much more than this earth for the followers of Jesus. And if our hope is all tied up in this earth, then we will be tempted to take the mark. There will be a tremendous amount of pressure because the world, your friends, your family, everyone who's not a follower of Jesus Christ will be encouraging everyone to get the mark of the beast. And you may find in those moments that you may be standing alone. And you may think, well, my, my my spouse, they go to church, um, but they may say that the cost is too much. And this, I, I love uh, this comment, where the rubber meets, where the rubber hits the road. Yeah, and this, this, will be, this will be the moment when we get to that point where we have to make this decision. Are we fully committed to God and what God has called us to? Uh, and following him and not receiving the mark of the beast? Because that time will come at some point in the future of this world. Now, what we need to realize at this point is that God is actually for us. And God is going to protect us. God is going to uh, be with us and help us through this because it's very clear from Scripture that uh, believers will still be there during this time on earth. And how do we know that? Because verse 7 of chapter 13 says, And it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. So the saints are going to be here when this is happening. And uh, we just need to be totally committed to the fact that we're going to follow God through this and not accept the mark of the beast when the Antichrist does appear and does uh, want the world to worship the Antichrist and follow and control the world economy through this mark. Now, the next, the next point about the mark is something that is very uh, controversial, so we're going to talk about it. Uh, the mark is the number of man. 
Now you should ask the question, well, what, is it, what does that mean? What does that mean at all, Chris? Like, what are you talking about when the mark is the number of man? So you'll notice in the passage of scripture in verse 18, as John is writing this, and, and again, he's communicating to the people he's writing to the church what the angels are communicating to him as he sees these things in visions. And he says in verse 18, he says, this calls for wisdom. So number one, we need wisdom when we're talking about the mark of the beast. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. So this mark is the number of a man. So what in the world does this actually mean? Well, culture has picked up on this and especially people wanting to identify with a certain uh, ideology, okay? So um, we've got songs that have 666 in it. We have albums, music albums with 666 in it. We have uh, people not wanting their phone numbers or their addresses to contain the number 666. On the other hand, we have people who do want all of those things about some people actually go and purchase homes specifically with the address 666 on it, okay? There's a, a lot of uh, cultural superstition around this because of this particular passage and how it's been interpreted in the world and popular culture in many times throughout history has, have grabbed onto this. But, but, what, but what was Paul meaning when he looked at this? And so let's just unpack this uh, for a minute. Now, a part of this, again, goes back to how we interpret apocalyptic literature and what we look at. And so remember, as I said before, apocalyptic literature has a lot of symbolism in it. So this, this number 666, as, as he says, the number of man is a symbol, okay? What's it a symbol for? It's a symbol for man. Not a single man, but humanity collectively. And so that's an important thing to recognize because there's this unregenerate aspect to humanity. We are dead in trespasses and sins. And when we are dead in trespasses and sins, we are only able to walk in the flesh, which is contrary to God. Now, part of the number six is also important to realize why did John choose the number six? Um, when you look at the whole book of Revelation, you see all kinds of symbols uh, in the numbers. We have the 144,000. We have uh, seven trumpets. We have the, the wrath of God. We have uh, the angels and all these different things that are that pneumology is connected to these things. And so John, as he's writing this, is just continuing to write it in this style and communicating this unregenerate part of man, humanity, in numbers. So where does the number six come from? And this is important too. So in as we look back in uh, the Old Testament, there were a number of allegorical interpretations that were done and the New Testament writers brought them into the New Testament. There's a number of places where allegory is used to interpret. Paul uses it in Galatians. Um, it's, it's used in Hebrews too. And this way of interpreting the scriptures was very much a Jewish understanding, a Hebrew understanding of how to understand certain things. And so when we look back in history, there's a number of things that were understood to represent certain things. The number six is one of those numerology pieces. So from a Jewish perspective, the number six represented man. Why did it represent man? It represented man because man was created on the sixth day. So the number three represents the triune nature of God. The number seven represents perfection or completeness. 
in God. And so the Jewish people and the Hebrews understood these numbers to mean different things. So if three represents the fullness of God because God's triune, then three sixes would represent the fullness of man, the total depravity, unregenerate nature of humanity. And so what we see here is John using this under the inspiration of the, of the Holy Spirit, uh, under the inspiration of God himself, to communicate to us that this mark is the full expression of the brokenness of humanity. And what that looks like is what we've been talking about here, where people are not worshiping God at all. And the world is going after worshiping something else. And they are all uttering blasphemous things about the God of heaven and a, a real uh, dislike for the God of heaven and a dislike for those who are following the God of heaven, who are wanting to worship him and place him in sort of this above all things kind of category, which this beast wants that position. And we see that in Satan, and that's why Satan has given uh, his power to this beast, because he wants everybody to really worship him. So when it says that the mark is the number of man, and that's the direct language it says here, for it is, referring to the mark, the number of a man, it's referring to that this there's the brokenness of the world and all of this stuff and to its fullness is going to be represented in this one ruler. And this one ruler is going to have uh, people worship it and receive this mark so that they actually know that it's on the side of the Antichrist. And it's also interesting too because uh, shortly after this, as we continue reading in Revelation, God comes along and he marks all of his people. But it's not the same kind of mark. It's a different mark. And we know that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you understand the teaching of the New Testament, you know that we've been marked with the Holy Spirit and we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit as God's own children. And so this, this whole picture that we start to see here sort of sets this stage for what's coming next, which is this cosmic battle between God, the beast, the antichrist, Satan, and God's people that are, are coming back and God's bringing judgment. Because this, this is actually part of the mark, and this is something that we need to know about the mark as we, as we continue to move forward in understanding what this mark is. So the last uh, point about the mark that I'm going to make today is that the mark will bring about judgment from God. Now, as we, as we continue on over into Revelation chapter 14, we, we see this 144,000. And uh, I'm not going to spend time on going down 144,000 today, uh, but uh, there's some very interesting things about this. And you'll notice right off the bat in verse uh, 1, it says, Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000, who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. Okay, so there's this contrast here with the mark of the beast, where the, these people that are following the Antichrist are being marked, and he wants them to be marked. And this contrast between, no, God's got his people that are following him, and they have a mark from God. And you see, one of the things that's so important for us to realize is that there is what God is doing in the world, and that is right and true. And then there is the counterfeit that Satan wants to do that is like what God is doing, but it's not the same. It's meant to worship Satan. And so this is what Satan has been doing all along through all of history. He has been putting forward his version of what should be happening. And this is who is found in, in the rebellion. And part of the Antichrist is Satan putting forward his Messiah to save the world. Because remember, Satan is the prince of the power of this air. 
this this world that we that we live in. And so God is going to come and bring judgment. And what and this should really encourage us, okay? When we see these things happen, know that the end is very close. Uh, but as we read in uh, chapter 14, I'm going to skip down to verse 9 because uh, there's some things that are happening here, okay? Because we see this beginning of this ultimate judgment that's coming on the world. Uh, um, it says in verse 9, it says, and another angel. So there's three angels here. There's a number of angels that come and uh, make some pronouncements. And these are actually signs uh, that we know that the Lord is about to return. And in verse 9, it says, and another angel, a third followed them, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink of the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. So we see this angel making this declaration and saying that the people that receive this mark are going to be judged by God. Why? Because they've totally rebelled against God. They've totally said, I am not going to worship God. I am going to worship this beast. I am going to worship myself. I'm going to preserve myself and the things of this world because that's what really matters to me. And so as people make that uh, choice and that distinction, and think of this as the tying up all the loose ends and coming to the end of the age, is what we will see is that the line is clearly drawn we have those that are worshiping the Antichrist, receiving his mark, following the Antichrist, and those that are being slain and following Jesus, those that are trying to survive in this world as God begins to pour out his judgment on those that actually have this mark of the beast. So, even though it will be hard as believers to go through this and navigate through all of this, one of the things that we can know for sure and be encouraged about is that God is still on the throne in those days. God will bring judgment that will come on, on these people. And it causes us, and it should cause us, to want to tell people not to worship anything else other than God. To not be caught up in the worship of anything other than Jesus. And to realize that there will be people in these last days that will want to worship other messiahs or other false Christs or other people. And we need to tell people that as this day is coming and getting closer and closer, <coughs> excuse me, the time of Christ's return is getting closer and closer and closer. Now, I'm sure I've sort of triggered lots of questions because trying to figure out how does this all happen in the timeline? And uh, will Christ come back before the mark of the beast? I don't believe the scriptures teach that at all. I believe that the scriptures teach, and we can go and look over in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, um, that the this Antichrist will be revealed before the Lord returns. We see that in uh, 2 Thessalonians, or 2 Thessalonians, I think it's chapter 2. Uh, so if the Antichrist is revealed before Christ returns, then more than likely the mark of the beast will actually be real before the Lord returns. And so these are things that we may see in our lifetime. It may not be in our lifetime. It may be in our grandkids' lifetime. Um, and we just need to tell people this is happening. This is what's so great about God's Word. God's Word tells us these things are happening before they happen so that we would know that they're true and that we would be encouraged in our faith. And just like Jesus ahead of time told his people, that he was coming as the Messiah, prophesied in the Old Testament that there would be a Savior that would rise up and deliver the people of Israel and set them free from sin. God did that. 
God's going to do the same thing here. And we can, we can trust God that he is going to bring about what is best for each of us as we live there. But that at the same time, as we read in chapter 14, that he's actually already gone ahead and marked those. They've got a name written on their forehead, those that are his. And this, this is going to sort of bring to this huge climax, uh, this struggle that has been going on between rebellion and sin and Satan and God and his rulership over the heavens and the earth. And so when we, when we look at this, we need to know God has told us these things ahead of time for a reason and let us have both eyes wide open as we watch for these things because the scripture actually tells us to watch and to pray and to be aware of these things so that uh, we would not be deceived because remember the power that the that the antichrist is going to have the influence that the antichrist is have the peer pressure from the world for you and I to conform to worshiping something other than God Jesus is going is going to be great during this time period and uh, one of the things that we need to be encouraged by is the fact that God has actually uh, prayed for us that we would be strong through that but at the same time for those of us who may be slain because we don't want to uh, uh, receive the mark uh, those of us that will struggle with ha having food or, or having money to actually survive in our world at that time it will be a difficult time and as uh, as Paul uh, and Jesus actually warned us that these are difficult times that uh, will come about because of this. So may we may we watch, may we pray, may we be vigilant to keep our lamps burning as we're looking for the Antichrist and the mark of the beast the mark of the Antichrist that will come because there is a world leader that has taken control over the whole world and the world will want this. The world will think it's good. And those that follow Jesus will wonder how's God going to work through this? And it shouldn't actually surprise us that these things are happening, even setting the stage for these things to happen. So there's a question that's come up on the screen, and let me see if I can read it all. Um, oh, yes, yes. Um, so if you can read the question that's on the screen. Um, in Acts 16.31, it says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your, whole, you and your household. How do we know how far this promise extends to and what does household mean? You know, I think these are, when we start talking about this and knowing that there is an end coming when there's no more time left, uh, it does make us think about our family. And I know I think about my family, my kids, possibly grandkids. I don't have any grandkids yet, but uh, you know, possibly my grandkids that are coming. How far does this extend to? Well, First of all, it's a promise, okay? And promises are um, taken by faith. So the promise is there, but there must also be this component of faith. So when it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. this The promise is that when we believe on Jesus, you're saved from God's wrath. Um, you're saved from sin. You're saved from a eternal separation from God. And so the promise is, is that God's going to keep us through that. Now, promises are very closely connected to faith. And our household may not all have faith. And so just because our household maybe knows about the promise, they actually have to believe 
the promise. And so the household is not so much, or the, sorry, the, the promise is not so much connected to the household as it is to the saving part. And that's a, an important distinction with this passage of scripture. Because people of a particular household are individuals. And every individual needs to believe. And that's why this passage says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You and your whole household. Household is referring to all the individuals in your household actually believing. Now, for those of us who have individuals in our household that don't believe, this is, it's challenging for us. And, and we are sad uh, and we feel worried for our kids, um, especially if they're not sure and they're still struggling. And I would just say a word of encouragement to just pray for those kids and as gently as possible, talk to them and show them the scriptures, show them the proof, get them to open up and actually tell you some of their hurdles that they have uh, with believing Jesus and the Bible. And as they do, hopefully you can actually direct them and show them the truth or answer some of these questions. So just to, just to sort of recap, how do we know how far this promise extends to? Well, the promise actually extends to the salvation and household is referring to the individuals that actually believe. Um, just because, because someone is in your household and doesn't believe, doesn't mean that the promise applies to them. There must be belief for the promise of being saved to apply to them. So hopefully that answers your question, but it, but it also sort of, as a parent, I know I'm a parent, it just grabs our heart because we're like, oh no, I don't know if my kids are gonna be there. And, and it's challenging for us. And again, pray, talk to them when you can, and if they don't want to listen, you know, God is sovereign. And uh, we just need to trust that God knows what he's doing uh, in those situations. And, and I know sometimes that's hard and it causes us to, to have grief over our family. Uh, but God actually has a reason for these things. And, and we need to trust him. We need to trust him because I think in the end, when all things are wrapped up and we're in heaven and we're talking to Jesus and we're there and we now see the big picture, things that we haven't seen before, I think a lot of these things will start to make sense. And uh, it doesn't make sense now, uh, but that's because we're really not looking at everything from God's perspective. And uh, I know that uh, many of us have children or grandchildren that uh, are in this place. And so let us, let us take some time even today to, to pray for our kids and for people around the, the world, uh, in our own communities, in, in our neighborhoods, our neighbors that don't know Jesus, don't know the things that we've actually even talked about today about the mark of the beast and and this antichrist, this war leader that is going to rule over the whole world, and that the world will want to go after them. But when they do go after them, and they do receive the mark of the beast, God's judgment will come on them. And we need to tell them this. And this is part of the proclamation of the gospel. And, it, and, and you know, for maybe if you're listening to this and you've never heard this before, it might even sound strange, but this is the truth of God's word. It will come to pass. And we know uh, from past experiences and things that we have written that these things have all come true that God has said, and they will come true, the things that are still yet to be fulfilled. So let me pray for you. And again, if there's any questions, just type them in. We'll do our best to answer them. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for uh, your grace and your mercy. Lord, I pray uh, today, as we have talked about the mark of the beast, that we uh, would not be deceived in any way, but that we would be able to recognize the Antichrist when it, uh, when that final Antichrist comes, the beast that John wrote about in 
in the book of Revelation. Lord, that, and that we would not uh, capitulate to worshiping the beast, but that we would truly be committed to worshiping you first and foremost. And uh, God, that even in the pressure of not being able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast, that we would not start to worship the beast, but that we would only worship you. And, and in the face of possibly being slain, because we don't want to receive the mark of the beast, Lord, that you would just give us the strength to go through that. And Lord, for family members who are uh, very opposite to worshiping you and not wanting to follow Jesus and to surrender their life or to believe in the truth of the gospel. Lord, we pray for them right now. We pray that they would come to know you and that the blindness that the God of this world has put on their eyes to the hope of the gospel, that you would just open their eyes to see. And Lord, that you would give each of us uh, the words to say as we talk to people around us, knowing that the days are, are shorter than what we've ever seen before and that the stage is set in our world for the prophecies of Scripture that have yet to be fulfilled, be fulfilled. So God, I, I just pray that uh, we would be your church, that we would stand up for truth, and that we would be worshiping you and you alone. And we pray all of this in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Good to be together today. I hope you uh, have enjoyed our discussions and our talks about the Antichrist. And uh, again, if you've had any questions, just uh, type them in. And uh, we'll see you next week, if not before. God bless. Good to chat. We hope you've enjoyed Coffee and Conversations with Chris. If you'd like to support this program, please visit pinewoodschapel.com give. See you next time.